Today is the last day that StravaCraft Coffee is giving away a $1,000 gift certificate to their online store. All you have to do to enter and have a chance to win is order some StravaCraft from their website, StravaCraftCoffee.com. And when you order, you can still get 20% off when you use code DNVR20 at checkout. So it's a great deal now, and you can set yourself up for a long, long time of coffee. The $1,000 gift certificate is good through through May of 2025. So even if you don't order that often, that $1,000 will work for you. You can basically have as much Strava Craft as you want in whatever form you want, whether it's their K-Cups, their ground, or their whole bean coffee. They have you set, and they've already given away four of them. So this is your last chance today. After this, this deal goes away. Get on it while you still can. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Call J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. They have over a thousand different varieties of beer to try, and you can get it from either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch both pickup and delivery. I'm Nathan Rudolph. Joining me, as always, is AJ Hayfley. And back on the podcast, the OG, the man who was running this show when it was still the BSN Avalanche podcast, Jesse Montano. Good to have you on, Jesse. How are you? I'm doing great, Rudo. Thanks. I was uh, I was actually looking for a, a BSN shirt uh, to throw on for this little, little throwback, but uh, the three that I've got are all in the laundry currently in the washing machine so that just means you're still wearing them i'll take that uh, yeah right i uh i was just wearing my uh the burgundy with the goalie mask uh the bsn avalanche one just a couple days ago it's a great shirt you got it's the classic. laundry during quarantine pat yourself on the back for that i think <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i mean I gotta do something to stay busy yeah you gotta you gotta figure something out the avs finally did something in their quarantine time just yesterday. We actually have some news to talk about as they have signed goaltender Eustace Ananen to a contract. ELC, there's a bunch of signing bonuses and even some performance bonuses attached to it. Uh, But ultimately, the biggest part of this is that there is a Euro clause attached to the ELC. So while they've signed him, realistic expectation is that he stays in Europe. Um, I have confirmation on this, actually. Okay, so he is going to stay in Europe. That the plan is that he will be officially loaned uh, to Carpot, and he will spend the year in Finland in an environment in which they are very comfortable with him. Sounds good. I don't really have any complaints. I think this situation, obviously, Carpot, one of the best teams in the league of the past handful of years, so... Mm -hmm. From that standpoint, it makes perfect sense. Uh, The conversation we were having the other day, AJ and I at least, 
were signing this deal and having him burn years in Europe doesn't seem like it really matters too much with a goaltender. You're on a bit of a longer path, so you're expecting him to get to that second contract, possibly before he's even played an NHL game. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, really, just because the the first year of the ELC will be used up this next year. Um, his ELC signing age is twenty, so. No matter, there's no slide opportunities here. No matter what, that's definitely going to. Uh, he will definitely use up a year of the ELC. Yeah, because the goalies are on the longer path. Yeah, I think that um, the when it comes time for his second contract to come around, it, he may not have ever played in. Uh, he he may not have played any NHL games by that point. Let me ask a clarifying question on that one, just because I don't know the the kind of semantics of of all these ELCs. Would would it be the same that year would burn if if he were to have come over and played in the AHL? Correct. Yeah. Yep. No matter what, because his ELC signing age is twenty, so the yeah. the deal is that uh, it starts next year, no matter what. Regardless. Yeah. 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 And then for me, where he's playing, I don't you know doesn't really doesn't really make a difference for me. I. Agree. Someone actually asked me on Twitter yesterday, uh, would it be better for him to stay in the league or the AHL? And honestly, I really don't think it matters. Whatever, Whichever spot he's going to have more opportunity in. And from everything I've seen, it sounds like he might have an opportunity to start over in the AHL. Or, sorry, over in the Liga. Whereas in the AHL, we know for sure Werner's going to be there. And then there's questions about whether they're bringing back Miska and all of that. So it just makes sense to to let him sit in the Liga. Kind of a big power move from the Avs uh, because they didn't uh, they didn't have to do this. They mm-hmm. could have just waited a year. He had a contract already in Finland. Um, was going to... His situation does not change with signing the CLC other than the Avs gave him just a little over $92,000 and said, great year, kid. <laughs> And he gets one year closer to uh, that second contract, which, hey, maybe if he is, if things go very well and he is in the NHL by then, then he's going to make some real money on that second deal. It certainly, I think, says a lot that he was the first real contract signed by the Evs, this off, whatever you want to call it, off-season, season pause. Sure, they extended mm-hmm. McDonald and a couple of other small things, but guys like Sasha Mutala, Guys like Alex Bocage have not signed their ELCs yet either. More meaningful, Luca Berzan. Also, Luca Berzan, who would be in his overage year next season, right? If he does not sign, more meaningful that he has that they haven't made that call on him yet. Sure, because they've got another so, year on Paula. For me, this this really all kind of starts asking the question of. You know, what is the realistic timeline for Yusuf Annan to get to the NHL? Because you look at the abs, you know, kind of goaltending depth, and it's definitely been uh, tested the last couple of years, uh, which is another part of the reason why, you know, I, I think maybe they they pulled the trigger on this one a little bit earlier than some of their other prospects. Um, what is that realistic timeline? Because you've currently got two guys that are fighting for a number one job in 
Grubauer and Francois. There's a lot of conversation about is Francois maybe that guy a couple of years younger. Um, you know, you mentioned Adam Werner, uh, who the organization, you know, has put some eggs in that basket. What is the realistic timeline for, for Annan and getting to the NHL and being a, a legitimate part of this team in, in your opinion, AJ or and Rudo, I guess. Two years. If it goes well. Yeah. I mean, perfect world. He's ready to jump in when Francois's contract expires. But which is now at the which which will be it's what two he'll have he'll have one year left on his deal his ELC yeah. yep which that would be a, that would be ideal yeah. I, probably realistically you're looking at an additional year there uh, which is I think could be fine depending on how Werner shakes out as well that's the X factor in this. How, how well Adam Werner plays in the AHL changes in an end path. Because if Werner has a year like he had last year where if he has a year like last year where he's he's very good in some games and then just an, a, an abomination of the position in other games, then you're not as encouraged as you are. You know, year one in North America, you're feeling like, hey, Werner had a good start. That was encouraging. Werner has is a guy who has gotten a little bit better every single year since he was drafted, has consistently played up in competition every year since being drafted. Last year was a continuation of that. Now next year will be very telling in kind of what our expectations of him are in terms of NHL potential because it's been very wait and see. If Werner takes the starting job by the reins, then Werner is firmly in this mix as well in the next few years. And Annan, that's just one more guy. Annan will have to outplay in order to in order to get meaningful NHL minutes. If Werner does not take a a notable step forward and does not progress or develop in in any kind of meaningful way, and is sort of you know looking like hey maybe this is just an AHL backup at best, then Annan has a that that kicks open the door of opportunity for him to come in and say. Okay, my first year in North America, I will split the job with Werner. And then the second year, I'm going to take the job, become the starter, and be the number three for the Avalanche organization. Or I'm going to compete immediately for the backup job if Franzos is gone. And I guess that's... And so you, we're we're kind of talking about this under the assumption that Annan plays one more year in the Liga and then comes over to North America, right? One hundred percent the plan. That is okay. that is the plan from Colorado's side. That is the plan from his side. Okay. All right. Well, then what I was about to say is is moot. <laughs> yeah, that's that is if if Annan gets hurt, if something happens, whatever, uh, he could stay. I, I guess there's a world in which he stays in Finland for another year. But you did not just sign a 20-year-old goaltender to burn two years of his ELC in Europe. <laughs> right. So ideally, you know, ideally you want him over here after a year. Ideally, you want that dude to stomp his way through the Finnish playoffs and then come over here for the Eagles playoff run. I was going to say, I mean, to, to be honest, the more I'm sitting here thinking about it, this is this is almost kind of like an ideal situation for the Avalanche because you get to give both Werner and Annan a chance to be number ones out of the gate with their own respective clubs. Obviously, the Avs don't have any say over what 
you know, Karpat does uh, with Ananen, but you're giving both those guys the opportunity because Ananen, was he the number one over there this year? Yeah. So it was, he was pretty much tandem. Yeah. Was it, I was going to say, was he, was he split? So, I mean, he you're, you're going to get, he had injuries in the second half that kind of tilted the job the other way, but yeah. when he was playing consistently, he was getting the lion's share of the starts. So, you know, you're, you're, you're giving both of your guys that you, that you're kind of looking down the road on uh, a chance to, to take that next step before you're, you know, you're making them outplay each other. So this really, honestly, in, in my opinion, is working out pretty well for the abs, given the fact that we're talking about goaltending depth in the abs organization for the first time <laughs> ever. <laughs> Yeah, I think the this, closest this in kind recent of history anyway. would be Pickard and Ida Collio, and that uh, yeah. this is better than that as as far as depth is concerned. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I, it it's the most depth I can remember in the Avs organization at goaltender, and you're making a little bit of a bet on Anon in there, but I think the talent is certainly there, so. In two years, we may also be saying that goalies are voodoo and they both couldn't hack it in the AHL, but being Annan and Werner, so who knows? Which is very, like, that's a very possible outcome to this. Mm-hmm. You know, I know we're all excited about Annan, and I think it's, it's honestly, I, I it didn't occur to me, but I think it's cool that, Jesse, you're on the show today because we were there in Dallas when he got drafted. I know. Chicks. Uh, I actually, uh, right before we started the show, I was going through, um, you know, I was you and what you and I were doing, we were going down to those, those scrums because, uh, because of the way that it was set up, AJ would get up front and start asking questions. And, and, uh, AJ just told me when we were going down, just get pictures. We're going to need pictures for these articles. So there was a lot of these guys, I'm just sitting there snapping photos. So I was actually going through a bunch of my Anon photos, uh, right before we jumped on here. And I just, uh, yeah, those, those cheeks, I, I will never. That, that'll be forever how I know him, regardless of what kind of goalie he yeah. turns into, <laughs> whether it be for the Avs organization or otherwise. It's it's those cheeks on draft days, how I'll always, always remember him. Yeah, and <laughs> pretty uh, pretty funny um, being compared to Pecorine on draft day as well, where he was like, <laughs> oh my God. He was like, he's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> and he was like, "But I also think I am good too." And it was like, "All right, you gotta like this kid. You gotta like that." Yeah, confidence. man, I totally forgot about that. Uh, the other thing I remember was someone asked him, "What do you, you know, what are you good at, or what do you think your strengths are?" And his answer was everything. Everything. Yeah. 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 It was awesome. <laughs> I uh, I forgot about that. Yeah, the the cheeks and the confidence. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. Well. Goaltenders, they make me want to take a sip of this. My Avalanche Amber Ale from Breckenridge Brewery. Sometimes <laughs> in victory, sometimes not so much. But either way, you can get your Breckenridge Brew down from the farmhouse in Littleton and help support them. They're a great partner of ours during these times. You can use code DNVR to get $5 off a meal for pickup from that farmhouse Anytime from noon to 8 p.m. You can order from these guys. And, of course, you can always pick up your 15-can sampler pack or any other Breckenridge brew, whether it be Strawberry Sky, Colorado Core, you name it, they have you covered. So get on it while you still can. You can give them a call here at 303-803-1380 to schedule. Great company. Love them all the way around. 
Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. Another place you can pick up your Breckenridge brew. I did want to give Jesse a moment to strut here a little bit because many months ago we had a uh, a hot takes prediction show and <laughs> and someone mentioned Andre Burakovsky. Now I will say he was a little bit short of the thirty goal pace, but the man is shooting nineteen percent this season. And uh, yeah, good call, I guess. <laughs> so so this was this was the one thing I wanted to make sure I got in today because uh, I was listening to the show from yesterday and uh, Evan mentioned it and AJ goes, oh, he wasn't getting there anyways. And I really do. If he didn't have the injury troubles, even with the shortened season, he would have gotten damn close. AJ's shaking his head. And I think that was just because it was such a ridiculous take at the time. But what did he finish with? 20, 21, 22, 20, 20 was right at yep. 20. I mean, I'd have to imagine that without those injuries, he's closer to 24, 25. You let the se- season finish out. I-, I was actually still feeling pretty good about that. Again, if you were to remove the injuries, uh, that was definitely uh I've tried not to say anything on Twitter throughout the year because I've had countless horrible takes that didn't pay off. Uh, but that one felt pretty good. I I think uh, without the injuries and had he gotten like a full 82 games, there's a real good chance it happens. I think he could have at least gotten in the, the 28 to 30 range. I think he only I think he only had 58 games played. So yep. it's like he was on a 28 goal pace if he for an 82 game season. Yeah. So I yeah. think it would have been. And then and then you just know, <laughs> like game 82, he's sitting on 29 and they're up. They're up four to two on St. Louis. And it's like he's yeah. coming out for the end. <laughs> yeah. I uh, that would have maybe been the most stressed I would have been all season if he would have been. <laughs> 20, 29 goals with an empty net in game 82. I would have just been sweating, sweating through my clothes for sure. Oh, that would have been, uh, that would have been awesome. I'm actually sad we got robbed of that now. <laughs> the, uh, the, the other one that I was feeling pretty bad about for the first uh, quarter of the season was, uh, was Nachushkin, but that was another hill that I chose to die on that. Uh, uh, assuming, you know, assuming the season comes back in a very, very limited fashion and, and you can kind of put this one for the most part in the rear view. Um, that was another one that, that I felt pretty good about, about the hill that I chose to uh, plant my sword. I mean, if you called him scoring a goal with his face, I would have called you a wizard. <clears throat> but <laughs> but hey, for, for a while there, I think that was the only way that he was going to score. That, was, that, would, that would have been some straight sorcerer nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, he's just gonna score with his face. Although he's gonna be great without he's scoring, gonna be like, yeah. You know what the craziest part about that was, and I'm pretty sure you guys talked about it on one of the shows. Was the the Vegas line yeah. odds for yeah. for him? It was it was something like ninety, what like ninety two and a half games he would go, and he scored in his ninety second. It was the third period of the ninety second game. The, it like. Was like what the hell? This is <laughs> eerily accurate. Someone in Vegas uh, has a time machine. Is the only answer. Like straight up, that that right there should have scared anybody off from like 
any of those really weird, like, ooh, I'm going to go against the odds here because I think I know what I'm doing. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> they know what they're doing. You don't know anything. Yeah, yeah, that that was definitely the... Uh, you know, even even had Burakovsky gotten the thirty goals, that you know it, that's nothing compared to to calling the over underline on Val Nachushkin in between uh, you know NHL goals. How many games? That's insane. Yeah, a robbery. You, you would have had to like, bet the under to get that yeah. correct. Would you have imagined like if if you had put meaningful money on on the under, <laughs> and you're just like sitting there in the third period, like. <laughs> It's not gonna happen. Dude. It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. And then, and then, empty net. He gets it. Everybody freaks out. And it was funny because, like, two minutes earlier, Evan, Evan, like, and so it got to the point in the press box where every member of Denver media, every time Nichushkin had the puck, was like on pins and needles. Right? Like we were all like, and Evan was telling me all game. He was like, "It's happening tonight's the." night and i was like it's never gonna happen well, it'll never happen again nuke had had like I mean, four breakaways in the last four or five games too and like a couple of them didn't even come close to scoring and it was like right dude and that's what that's why i was like look this is just not gonna this is not going his way this the universe hates this man for some reason he has done something it's just not going to happen. And then he scores, and then he turns into like this like breakaway monster. Well, he it was scores on his, like his next three breakaways easily, and you're like, "What the hell is going on here?" <laughs> it was it was one of those things where he had gone so long, and he had so many chances, wide open nets, posts, breakaways. Where, where it really was, you were like, "Look, if at this point you can't put one of those in the net, it's just not happening." And then you you really could. You could even see it on TV, the confidence just switch. And it was that it was that breakaway goal he scored against Chicago. Yeah. Where he when dusted Duncan Keith. Where he was just yeah, like, and Bye. right off the draw, gone, just blows it by Crawford. And the, the Chicago broadcast actually they didn't even think it went in. They kept calling the play. It was in and out so quick. So funny. And it was on that goal where he was even kind of late to celebrate, but you you saw it on his face. You were like, "Oh, he he's got it now. Like he's good now." And it was just ever since that he he was just money. Yeah, I. It really was. Like you saw his confidence build. I think on the ice on the back end of things as he kind of found his groove defensively with the Avs, but mm-hmm. once that first one in went in, and then he showed off some of his actual skill and talent on that second goal the the universe was like okay we forgive you for whatever you did val and and now we're just gonna shower you in goals well and he just it it just he had the look on his face where he remembered how good he was yeah and exactly and uh it was uh it was super fun to watch (laughs) from there on (laughs) well it was it was an awesome story and then like he had that crazy december and then he just sort of disappeared after that and then february everybody started getting hurt again and the production just rose back up and you're like Mm -hmm. okay is this a coincidence or not like is it is it weird that the abs went through major injury issues twice and both times 
was when Nachushkin had his best moments of the season, his best little stretch of productivity. Because when well, they were healthy, he wasn't doing much. And that was even after mm-hmm. he, he kind of got going, you know, like he had three points in January. Like he just did not have a lot going for him. And then the old dudes got hurt again. And he was like, I got this. No big deal. I, you know, I, I, I think I even season. said it. I said it on, on that round table show that we had right before the season start. And I said, for me, for Nachushkin, it's top six or bust, which obviously there was a, a lot of the time where he, he was very effective, not on the top six, but I think, you know, that is kind of what you're talking about there, AJ, where he's got someone who's got the skill set and the finish and the work ethic to play with a Nathan McKinnon. Um, and, and he's never going to drive play on his own. So I think that's why you saw him be successful as he could kind of move up the lineup. He is one of the, he, he's one of those like ideal depth guys who's solid defensively. You can play on the power play. You can play on the penalty kill. And as injuries come up, you can slide him up your lineup and he's not going to be severely outmatched by, you know, the other team's top, top defense, top defensemen, top forwards, uh, you know, he can keep up with a Nathan McKinnon. He, 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 he's just kind of a Swiss army player for, for the abs in the way that this roster is put together. In my opinion, he has the body type, right? Especially like when Miko went down and the abs didn't have that giant human being up in the top six, that's a role that he can jump into, especially I think once he got integrated into the abs system and, and they got a little buy-in from him, you, mm-hmm. you put that body to work and it's just going to do good things on the ice. Yeah, the, and, the and he's in confidence from him was major. Like he went from like a borderline player to an impact player. He he is what I am hoping still that Kamenev can eventually turn into. I Kamenev just doesn't have the physical consistency, man. I just don't. See no, it. and, and I'm, not say, I'm not saying he does, but I'm saying that's, to me, that's the type of player that Kamenev, if he could ever profile the way that Nachushkin did this last year for the Avs, that's what you're hoping for. I think we've kind of, the, the, the ship has sailed for Kamenev, be, Kamenev being like a significant impact, you know, center for this team. But I think if, if you couldn't, and myself personally, I still think it's possible. There's a lot of stuff that I still see in Kamenev's game that I like a lot. Um, maybe it's a little bit of a slower development track, but but that to me is kind of how he ideally profiles out, whether it be with the abs or or, or wherever he ends up going. I, I kind of hear you there. I, he does have that same type of feeling of a little bit of top six or bust in him, right? Where he- well, just when 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 Kamenev when 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 we talk about Kamenev having had a good game or wow that was a really strong shift from Kamenev or Kamenev really looked good you know in the games that he's gotten in it's typically when he's been that type of guy you know uses that big body is able to get involved on the power play is able to be um, you know effective on the penalty kill um, to me the Avs found in Nichushkin what they were hoping to get out of Kamenev and now that kind of gives you a, a disposable asset. Yeah, uh, tough to find a spot for Kamenev going forward, for sure, on a healthy abs. Yeah, that's. I know that's kind of a, a weird branch that I was just taking there, but run with it. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would disagree entirely. I don't think they're comparable at all. Why? 
just their their style of play, their pathway to success, it's very different. Uh Nachushkin well, is is built like a bodyguard. And when he's at his best, he's imposing his will and he's putting his head down and he's playing with a power element that Kamenev will just simply never have. Even when Kamenev has been more physically engaged, uh, he's still just not that guy. He's more of a skill guy, he's more of a playmaker. Uh he's he's got a quick trigger to shoot the puck. Uh just just very different pathways for success for both of those guys. Well, Kamenev, well, I think, can be like a decent two-way center, but profiles a lot more as like a a playmaker who likes to play on the perimeter. And when when Nichushkin has played that way, uh that's that's when he's played his way out of Dallas and into even a healthy scratch this last season in Colorado when he was playing way too much of a perimeter game. And and so that's and so that's exactly that's exactly my point. I, I'm looking at, at Kamenev saying, look, if you want to carve out a, any type of career for yourself, you need to be looking at, at Val Nachushkin and saying, because Kamenev's not a small dude. You know, he's Kamenev's not, got a big frame and he's got a lot of those not. same tools, but I, I agree with you in that he doesn't play the same way that Nachushkin found success here. And I think when Nachushkin played the way that Kamenev has played here in the last part of this season, you're right. That's when he's worked himself out. To me, I look at Kamenev and say, if you want to be successful in this league, whether it be with this organization or another, that's the type of play you need to be putting forward. And maybe that's a, a, a large change to his style, but I don't, I don't see any other way playing that ultra Euro high skill, very little contact for someone with that type of frame. I just don't see that working for him. I, I, I think Kamenev's got to shift what he does to be more in line with something like Nichushkin is what I'm saying. Well, I mean, you can't just be somebody else. And I think that's where it, I mean, here's the thing. I think Kamenev is an NHL caliber player. Just he doesn't fit on the abs anymore. Yeah. And it's hard to, it's hard to see. I don't know. I've said all along that he needs to be a Los Angeles King. That he needs, he needs ice time. He needs to get put in the middle of it. He needs puck touches. He He even looks like a, a King. He, he like, it's just a perfect fit for like where they're headed and what they're targeting right now. And and where Kamenev is in his career, like it's just a good fit. That's why I always go back to that. But he'd be a senator or a freaking Red Wing. I don't. I mean, whatever. He needs to go to a bad team where he's going to get opportunity, which is what happened when he got traded here. And then he got hurt, and the team got good around him, and he lost his opportunity. And that's I. I feel bad for him, but like he needs he needs like real. Like he needs to be playing not a grindy role. Uh, he needs to be playing with skill players in a skill role to to see is this kid for real or not. And I I Nichushkin's I think is is on his way to carving out a solid career as uh, as a defensive specialist with a little bit of offensive pop. But Kamenev, but I, I mean, I can't. I think I think Kamenev will succeed or die based on his offense. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I, I get what you mean, but you also go back to the beginning of the season and I don't think I could have paid you to say that Nichushkin was on his way to a successful NHL career. 
And, and so, um, you know, you, you see, you see the way that he was able to change his game. That's what I'm saying for Kamenev. You've got to recognize that what you're doing isn't working for you. Like Nachushkin, like the, the things that Nachushkin did well in Colorado this year were some of the things he was already doing well in Dallas. And like, seriously, the underlying defensive stuff is elite and it was very good Mm -hmm. when he wasn't scoring goals, but then he added 13 goals to elite underlying defensive metrics. And you're like, okay, great. We have a borderline Selkie candidate sitting on our roster now. And this is a guy that, like, the tw- the 27 points that Nachushkin scored, the 13 goals, like, that's all gravy. That's great. Um, He needed to do that in order to win a job and to prove that he could and stick around. Um, But he will... He was getting the opportunities before he started scoring. He was getting the opportunities he was because of his defensive play. That's going to be his hallmark. That's going to be why he continues to get paid. That's that's why he. That's why I'm convinced the Abs even gave him an opportunity was because they looked at the underlings and said, "This is a good enough defensive player that even if we get Gabe Bork out of him offensively, we can <laughs> get by because the dude can play on defense." And Kamenev, I don't, Kamenev doesn't have any of that going for him. Kamenev is, this is a promising young skilled player who needs to play with skilled players. So this, this, this is just why I have them as completely different guys. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. I, I disagree a, a bit on, on how Kamenev needs, what Kamenev needs to do going forward, but instead of going around in circles. Well, I get what you mean, though. Speaking of skilled players, if you want to play with a few of them, DNVR is now sponsored by WGT Golf, the nice. most realistic golf game that you can find out there. And it's has it has over 20 million players around the world online that you can play against. We at DNVR have set up our own clubhouse. We actually have our first WGT tournament coming this weekend on Sunday where you can play and win. The winner of the tournament will be getting a free DNVR shirt and sticker pack. So be sure to get in on it. Go to dnvrgolf.com to download the game and sign up to join the clubhouse. Why not? Try and win yourself some free stuff. I can promise you it is not easy, though. That game is very, very difficult, especially in and around the greens. So probably want to get on it and get some practice rounds in before you give it a go. Again, highly recommend it. The whole DNVR crew will be playing in the tournament as well. I'll admit, I think AJ and I will be at the bottom of that leaderboard, but uh, we're going to give it a go. (laughs) Uh, Either way, dnvrgolf.com. I refuse to practice because I want to be I want to be really bad in the opening tournament and then by the <laughs> end of this run in quarantine I want to see where I get to. Nowhere to go but up. So I just want to gauge my progress <laughs> as I go. So I'm I'm not I'm not trying to get any better right now. Tournament 1 will be like my uh, Your baseline. It'll, it'll be like my tutorial yeah, gotcha. level. Like okay, here we go. Now let's now let's go from here. If I get worse from there, we have a really big problem. Yep. Yep. We'll see. We'll see what AJ's golf game shapes up like. But for now, the third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's with Rudo, AJ, and Jesse. We have some questions here in the live chat. 
uh, to get to starting off with signing Andre Burakovsky to a Mike Hoffman $5.2 million deal for four years with a modified no-trade clause for the last two years. You already know I would do that in an absolute heartbeat. I think even AJ yeah. would it would at that price point. So, five point two million? Are you kidding me? Jesse, five years. where do you stand on this whole Burakovsky deal? <clears throat> so yeah, so I've listened. Uh, I've listened to the the few where you guys have kind of been going back and forth on this. And my biggest thing, obviously, you got to watch what you're doing with the money. But for me, the the biggest thing is the term. Um. You, you just don't want to be committing that type of money, in my opinion, longer than three or four years. You know, anything over five million because you just so run the risk. And AJ, I think it was you who used the example of like a Louis Erickson. You just don't want to run that risk where you get some productive years, but it just turns into this overpayment for what you're getting. The, the money anywhere between five to six is is pretty i don't want to necessarily say irrelevant to me i'm mostly looking at the term there um and just not straddling yourself with something on the chance that it goes sideways rudo i i tend to agree with you i think you're going to get a pretty consistent player out of him for the next uh you know however long you sign him to <sighs> but even as as someone who said he was going to score 30 goals this year i just I just don't know what that long-term consistency looks like uh, on a team that's got a lot of forward depth to begin with. It's difficult to expect the guy to shoot 19% again, for sure. <laughs> you, you know what's you know what's actually crazy to me? Of, of everything you guys are saying, I actually think that's the least far-fetched thing, is to have that guy shooting, you know... 17 18 plus percent every year he, he's an elite shooter and i think that's that's why you brought him in is to shoot at those ridiculous percentages when you're playing him with the type of players that that he's playing with the cadres the mckinnons rantanins you know he's getting power play time i don't think that that's all that unrealistic at all um for me, it's just all the other stuff around it. Is he really going to continue to rack up the assists and the points and, uh, you know, how much of it's going to come special teams, you know, power play, that kind of stuff. I don't think the shooting percentage is, is that crazy at all. Um, but, I mean, is it is it Grabner? Michael Grabner, who every year has 24 goals and three assists. It's like, yeah, pass. Yeah, he's the ultimate Cy Young winner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. All right. I, yeah. I think so I just. I just guess... for the record, nineteen percent is really, really high. Yeah. If he ends up shooting like fourteen or fifteen percent, very, very doable. And I, given I, given I, his skill set, there are players I, I, that do shoot that high, but they're pretty rare. Uh, Tange was one of those who always lived near twenty percent, right? Yeah, but there's a. Also, I'm only not, shot comparing... when he was going to score. So. Right. Gonna say, I'm not comparing Burakovsky to Tang. I'm just saying he's one of those weird players that if you look at his career, his entire career is like high teens, low 20s. Yeah, and like his it's shots crazy. on goal were always like, it was like one. <laughs> high teens, low 20s? <laughs> yeah, like in very, very Kerfoot Ian as well, where mm-hmm. just won't, just not, not going to throw pucks on net unless it's like, all right, well, there's not a goalie in the net. I guess I have to. <laughs> well, and even then, Kerfoot still thinks twice. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so Yo, how, how much has that dude dropped off, eh? 
Well, I mean, he's playing he's playing such a different role there. Uh, I don't think he's actually dropped off much at all. I think he would be uh given given the ice time and given the role and all of that, I really don't think it's a significant drop. I think he's I think he's having like a very in line with what he was doing in Colorado. Like he's well, and and that's and that's my thing. You know, I used to you uh always argue with Kevin uh cuz he always thought that Kerfoot was just very bleh. And I think I think Kerfoot going to Toronto kind of solidified that for a lot of people cuz he was another one who I think was kind of uh playing a little bit outside of his means here in in uh you know for the Avs. And and going to Toronto, I I don't necessarily disagree with you that he's kind of is what he's going to be, but I, I, I think that's a little bit, a uh, little bit less than what people had kind of thought he was going to be here in Colorado. It, he does. His skill set doesn't feel great on a third line, right? It, yeah. It, once you realize yeah. he's not a silky candidate, that fit becomes a little bit weird. So. It, well, he just, he, my my perception of of Kerfoot changed has changed so drastically. One from the first time we heard about him, it changed immediately when he stepped out on the ice. I was like, oh, he's not six <laughs> one. He's nowhere near six one. He's five uh, eight. Yeah, and and then it was like, wow, he's this elite passer. Then it was, wow, he's maybe passing a little too much. Uh, he just, I I always had a really hard time deciding what I thought of Alexander Kerfoot and what you just said, Rudo. I think hits the nail on the head. When you see all of that put on the third line, kind of appropriately, you're like, mm. it's fine, but it's not going to blow mm. you away. Yeah. And for what they're paying him, um, he really needs to be in a top six. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he'd be a great like top six guy in like Arizona. Yeah. It- hey, let let me ask you guys real quick. I don't I don't want to disrupt this too much, but it's been it's been a while since I've been on, so I'm sure people have wanted to hear about Tyson <clears throat> Barry. I'm sure they're just dying to. What uh, What do you guys think happens there? Because I I really do. I felt like a lot of what happened with Tyson Barry was going to be dictated by the way the season ended. And um, I think some of it's going to, I think a large portion of it will depend on what happens with the salary cap and how much it moves. Mm-hmm. Because if they, if they get it in, if they get a season in and they uh, certainly, if they get a full postseason in and they're able to uh, make a little bit of the money so that they don't have to pay back TV stations and credits and, they don't have to, you know, they don't get themselves into some sort of a debt where they're they're financially really, really struggling league-wide. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and he gets to go out and go into a, a market with that's that's got at least a little bit of money to, to spend. Uh, I think he'll be fine. I think he'll get paid. I think he... Well, no, no, no. I, I'm more of talking about where is he going to be. You don't think he'll be back in Toronto? I don't, no. I don't, yeah, I don't think... Either. I, I don't think it makes sense for him to be there. There's a lot of a lot of the reasons why I said last year I didn't think it made sense for Toronto to target him. It made sense for the Abs to try and target Toronto, but not for <laughs> Toronto to target Barry. Uh, ended up coming to fruition this year, this year, and that he was just a bad fit for them. And the final nail in, in the Toronto coffin was when they extended Muzzin too. I think that's and that's the, the kind of guy they need. Sure. They they need the more right of that and they need on their turn, side. You can't you can't have Morgan Riley and Tyson Berry is the thing. Like you yeah. you can't have Tyson Berry and Kale McCarr. You know, like you Tyson Berry needs to have a very specific role on a team 
And it's why I think a team like Vegas makes a lot of sense for him if they can afford it. They've got a serious cap crunch of their own. I think they're going to have a problem. But if they can create the money, um, I, I love his fit in Vegas. Beyond that, I've I've also said if he's willing to go to Winnipeg, he would make a ton of sense in Winnipeg. Uh, but you know, wouldn't always, wouldn't it's, that it's just be there? <laughs> wouldn't that just be how it goes? Joe Sackick does everything he can. He moves Matt Duchesne out of the division, <laughs> Ryan O'Reilly out of the division, Tyson Berry out of the division, and they all come back in free agency. They all find their way back to the central division. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that would be pretty and funny. and not. Not only did he move them all out of the division, he moved them all out of the conference. He was like, I don't want to play you more than twice a year. I don't want to deal with that ex-Av curse more than once at Pepsi Center. And they, yeah. if, if Tyson Berry were to go to Winnipeg, they would all creep their way back in in free agency. Which should have been a franchise-changing 2009 draft becomes just a headache that happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was franchise-changing. Those guys that combined 15 games a year. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I, for, I, I always forget that, that T. Buttes was the other, uh, the other, the other player taken out. Man, the Avs, yeah. the Avs crushed that 09 draft. That's an all-time draft. The NHL.com has been doing these redrafts on Instagram. And yeah. they had the two. In 2009, they had all three Duchesne O'Reilly and Barry in the top 10. And I was like, how do you screw that up? <laughs> like, good Lord, you crushed that draft and you, uh, they got like one playoff appearance this out is... of that group. Out of that trio. <laughs> so, However, they, they turned that trio into what? Like 17 players. Yeah. That trade tree would be like the, what those three turned into you, would be pretty significant. It... Yeah, that trade tree is really tough. I did part of it because Duchesne is technically connected all the way back to the Claude Lemieux trade. Um, so that's. I mean, I wouldn't wild. even. I wouldn't even go. But I I'm just, just going like from Duchesne down. Draft. Yeah, right. I, I, just to confirm this theory, uh, even mm-hmm. Stephen Elliott did play a handful, half a season for Nashville. So. That uh, that '09 draft is, is something mm-hmm. oh, else. Oh, 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 yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the central division is just tied to it, I suppose. Um, or, in or the, watch, in he'll the same go, way, he'll... like the abs are obsessed with the first round of the 2013. Yeah, <laughs> watch Tyson Barry will go sign with like Arizona or something like that, and then they'll they that entire team will move into the central in a <laughs> yep. year and a half. The world just finds a way, <laughs> yep. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's another team. Um, again, money problems, but uh, but would be a good fit. Yeah, yeah, I I tend to agree with that. Um, not coming back to Colorado though. Let's not. No. no, would not make sense coming back home. Yeah, no. As as much as I love uh, Tyson Berry, I, I, that would be a, a signing. That'd be. A... I mean, you can't just uh? just for like a second. You can't. You can't imagine like Makar, EJ, Gerard, Byram, Barry Timmons. I'm gonna turn my camera I'm... off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, between Makar, Byram, and Barry, I just don't know if you have enough pucks. Like even for practice. Yeah, no, you're you definitely don't. But <laughs> um, okay. But YOLO, right? Well, yeah, yeah. So, another question here. 
Drew Creaseman actually made a trade on NHL 20 today, which was Tyson Jost, Matt Nieto, a first and a third to no, Nashville. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it was Cout and Nieto. My bad. Cout, Nieto, a first and a third to Nashville for Philip Forsberg. Now, Forsberg has two years left on his deal. Is two that years? Two There's years. only two? There's only two. Ugh. And he will be a UFA at the end of that deal. Yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be fully honest. I've never been a big Philip Forsberg guy. Um, He's always been overrated. I, I just always thought he's been... He's one of those guys that he... Whenever he scores a goal, it's always a highlight real goal, but he just doesn't like yeah. he doesn't score as many goals as as Twitter would ha- lead you to believe because of the 15 goals he scores, 12 of them are just highlight real goals, but he's still a 15 you know or whatever the number is. That's yeah. just always how I felt about him. Yep. I'm um, fully in agreement with everything being said right now. <laughs> reputation and the reality are on different pages. Yeah, and 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 he's had in, if you go look at his career, he's had injury problems. He, you know, he doesn't play full seasons. When he does, the numbers are meh. I, I just I, I would rather the abs go get Taylor Hall in free agency if you are dying for a top six forward that bad. Like consistency, right? Like always in the you know, this year was a little bit shorter, so a career low twenty one goals this year. But always in that 50, 60 point range mm-hmm. and like mid 20s or more goals. And that's great. Like there's there's obviously value in that. He's a good player. But six million for two more years, uh, I'm good because he's going to want significantly more than that when it comes free agency time. Well, not to mention in in Nashville, he's like it's like him and Rijo, right? Or are, are like the big offensive drivers. So especially when he's having to defer a lot of those. Uh, I mean, Duchesne did not have a good year this year. No, I mean, really, none of them, man. Like you look at you even look at Rijo. There's something wrong with Nashville. Well, no. Nashville Nashville went out and tried to build a team with a ton of middle six forwards. And and I mean, you just yeah, that like entire Phil, forward core is nothing but middle six forwards. Like like Philip Forsberg's like a top six guy. Matt Duchesne, Ryan Johansson, those are those are guys who before they got to Nashville were they have a pretty bunch, prolific player. They have a bunch of one B though. They, exactly. Yeah. Well, well, the, all those like, players that you their top line are it's a it's a their top line are amazing second line players they're great second line players that can complement elsewhere matt duchene's not a 1c ryan johansson's not a 1c they were when they played for bad colorado and columbus teams where they should where they should be killing teams though is in the depth because while you could say there's you know they lose like the high-end talent battle at forward they're crushing people when you get to the third line because Kyle Turris is rolling out there as a 60, 50, 60 point guy. Like Kyle Turris is going to be significantly more talented than most teams' third, third line centers. And Nick Bonino took that job from him. 
And it's like, what is going on in Nashville where these guys show up and they become 60% of who they've been everywhere else in their careers? For me, I I think a lot of it is, uh, you know, you you look at, and I might put my foot in my mouth because I don't have his numbers the year after he left Colorado off the top, you know, in front of me. For me, it was always kind of a Paul Stasny where it's like he's the one C and he's this play driver and driver and everything because of the team that he's on, you move him somewhere else and he's just not quite that to me. That's what Nashville has done with their forward core. Obviously their, their D core is, uh, you know, cream of the crop, but for their forwards, to me, they just looked at a bunch of guys who, uh, you know, played on these lesser teams in kind of elevated roles. And they said, Oh, well we can get them to come do that here. And they just aren't those they just really aren't those guys elsewhere. And, you know, Matt Duchesne had the 130 goal season, and, and he's another one who, um, you know, he had some really top flight years. He had, he had that, those couple years near the end of his career in Colorado when, you know, he went to the Olympics and, and things like that. But he never once was able to just say, okay, this is my team and I'm carrying them. And, you know, Nashville looked at it and said, well, he couldn't do it in Colorado. I bet anything he can do it here. And it's like, you're, you're just not going to get those guys who can put everyone on their back and go. You're just not going to find them. So I think it's two things. One, first of all, Nashville continues to run its offense through its defense way too much. And that limits all of the forwards a lot. But number two, they've built a team of inconsistent players. All of them, yeah, and and teams like that are just gonna go cold sometimes. That for multiple months of this year, Nashville just couldn't find it, and Pecorine fell apart behind them. And if you build a bunch of sixty point one and a half line players, that's gonna happen to you as as a franchise. And then it's exactly what happened to Nashville. Well, and also, what's the difference between Ryan Johansson, Matthew Shane, and Philip Forsberg? What do you mean? Nothing. Yeah, they're all the same I mean, like they're all, type of player. They're all the yeah. same. Yeah, they're all the same player. What what makes that abs top line go is that you've got three different profiles that that find a way to work those skill sets together. Matt Duchesne and Philip Forsberg, you know what, what got us started down this rabbit hole was, yeah, that's kind of the same guy that you just got rid of. And Ryan Johansson's the same guy with a little bit more size and less tape. AJ looks. Yeah, he's he's thinking hard on this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I disagree. And Kyle Turris, you can throw in that too. But like, I'm, I'm I mean, like we're talking like that that the roster is like like that top six is like six guys who all have sixty point seasons in their careers. You know, you go down the list, and it's, you know, you have Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne, Ryan Johansson. Kyle Turris, Mikhail Granlin, Victor Arvidsson. And then you get to Craig Smith, who has like four 20-goal seasons under his belt. Nick Benino, You know, Kelly Yarncrook, who they absolutely adore. Friggin' Rocco Grimaldi had 30 points this year. You know, Colton Victor Arvidsson. Colton Sissons. Victor Arvidsson's that one of those players in the NHL that for no reason I just can't stand. I just like irrationally cannot stand Victor Arvidsson. That's interesting. He's one of my favorite guys. 
I just love watching really? him play. I, I don't, I couldn't even tell you why. If you were like, Jesse, why don't you, I couldn't even give you a legitimate oh, reason. He just. Everybody has the, the irrational hate guy where you're ugh. Like, can't stand that dude. Dude, I don't know what it is. I see him, like I see highlights of Victor Arvidsson and they're always really nice goals. He works really hard. He's a great player. I see him score and I'm like, you mother. I feel that way I about Brandon Coburn. Really? <laughs> That's so funny. I anytime anytime he like steps on the ice i'm like oh dang both of his <laughs> ankles didn't shatter maybe better luck next time still in the league huh yeah mm. right like just cannot stand that dude for, for a, no reason at all shadow for a long time mine was ryan getzlav on a team where everyone was like oh i hate Corey perry so much screw Corey perry he's the <laughs> okay. worst i'm like sitting over here like it's getzlav man that stupid dude is killing everything I was actually, in my life. I was just about to say, I'm surprised it's not Perry. Because, yeah, that was that's like everyone's going to That's it. not irrational hate, though. <laughs> yeah, like, that one's Corey legitimate. Perry, it's like, that's like being like, oh, I hate Mac and Chuck. You're like, yeah, well, that's Corey, because he Corey, exists. Corey Perry is one of those people that I like. I wanted to hate so bad, but I've just always thought he was such a sick player. They're like, I've always been like, I hate you, but damn. Like, and, and uh, like his his like antics, I thought were always really trolly and funny. Well, and not it's like what, douchebaggy. Right. He never licked. They were anybody. always Ugh. right, right. They were always one of those that like. God, I wish that was. I wish that was on my team because I want to think that was really funny. But like, like in that San Jose game where he skated by and the dude was sitting on the bench and. <laughs> Perry skates by and just snaps his, grabs his stick and skates off with it. Yeah. He's sitting on the bench and he's like, "What the hell is this?" And Perry's just gone. Yeah, uh, even even though even the Patrick Waugh one, all of that's going on between Patrick Waugh and Bruce Boudreau and Corey Perry standing on the ice spraying water on Patrick Waugh. Yeah, it's like right, <laughs> right. Like, like God, like, I want to hate you for that, but that's so funny. <laughs> like that's the thing with Corey Perry is that like those antics always made me laugh. It's the like. The cross checks and like the the on ice like really douchey things that he would do where you're just like I can't mm-hmm. I can't get over this right like you're you're a jerk you just straight up yeah. speared a guy not gonna fly dude <laughs> some of those oh his whole career dude spearing problems yep and but but then there was like the the spraying the water and the skating by where you're just like come on this is kind of funny right <laughs> like this is his... this is this is amusing like he'd be the guy that would roll up into a scrum. And just like jab a dude very gently with a stick, or like he would like pull a dude <laughs> stick away from him. Right, and right. It was just it was just like very subtle and like non-impact, and you're just like he just can't resist getting close to another human being without right. trying to, to toy with them on some level. <laughs> he revolutionized the water bottle troll game, whether it was spraying Patrick Waugh or like squirting some into somebody's loose glove on the bench. The guy just had a knack for finding ways to get under your skin, like. Well, and like then and then he the go out and do of hockey stuff. trolling. Yeah, <laughs> and and it was his. Uh, I remember <clears throat> it was the first time I believe that McDavid made the playoffs, and the Ducks knocked him out in overtime. Uh, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't a game where they knocked him out, but the Ducks came back down like three nothing in the game and won in overtime. And the goal that Corey Perry scored was so nasty. He just did this. He picked up this loose puck in front 
And he just did this like double head fake freeze on, I believe it was Cam Talbot. And he did one of the like classic no move moves where he just looked at him long enough that Cam Talbot died and he just tucked it in backhand. And I just, I always thought he was such a high skill player that I hated because of the stuff that he did. Yeah. I mean, people, and I I just, I was always so confused. He's because he's fallen off a cliff the last couple of years and is so well known for being a dick. Basically he used (laughs) to be a straight up star player in the NHL. Like our trophy winner. He is likely to be the second uh, NHL player in history to win a heart trophy and not make the hall of fame. I would say that's fair. Is Taylor Hall the other? No, Jose Theodore. Oh my God. I totally forgot that he won the heart trophy. Yeah. Taylor Hall could be the third, but uh, I mean, we still have a whole second half of Taylor Hall's career where we'll see how it goes. And if he comes to the abs, I'd never say that again. Hello, hello, hello. Dude, I'm sorry, but if he comes and he plays next to Nathan McKinnon, they're He's winning. He's making the hall, yeah. Making the hall of fame. His thirties so, yeah. is just going to be a string of like forty goal seasons. I mean, so what would that what would that be? I, and I know we've talked about this at nauseum in the past, but would it be Miko Nate Hall? That's what I would do. I wouldn't. Yep. I would not get cute and be like, "Okay, we're going to put you next to Kadri and Burakovsky." No. We're going to put you on the Olympic line and we're just going to let y'all, we're going to let the big dogs eat. Like, oh, the cute. You guys are paying your top defenseman $12 million to shut this line down. Good freaking luck. I would not mess with it. I would be like, as long as they have chemistry, because, you know, like, like Sackick and Forsberg played together sometimes and they never really had that chemistry. Mm -hmm. And so you were like, okay, like they're not. I mean, they're not those guys. If they don't have chemistry, not going to be too sad about dropping him to the second line where you still have to deal with Hall and then Burakovsky and Kadri as the right. second pairing D for the other team. Right. And then eventually, uh, Newhook takes that spot and you're just like, okay, whatever. I, I hate, I hate bringing up the Hall thing again, but it just really does. It's just a fit that makes so. If, if they can find sense. a way to make it work financially, dude, it makes sense for everybody involved. And and you're kind of done at that point. Mm-hmm. Like the only position that you're trying to find a long-term answer for is goaltender. Because you have most of your defense with Byram, Gerard, and Makar. You have your forwards with all these guys. And then a guy like Newhook on the way. The only question that you have is goaltender. And to bring us full circle, you might have the answer with Eustace Annanen. <laughs> there we go. Somehow, some way, the long and winding road brought us back around. Um, any final thoughts, Jesse or AJ, on on the Avs or any hope for the playoffs returning? Whatever you want to take this floor. All right. Uh, I'll go. I'll go. Uh, you know, it's it's. A, I, I'm gonna <clears throat> use the floor a little bit here, if that's all right. Um, just because I have, I have shied away from Twitter a little bit, uh, over the last six, seven weeks that all this has been going on. Um, so I do first and foremost, you know, we were talking before the show started. Uh, I I am very, very, very fortunate. I've been very, very lucky, um, through all of this. I am considered an essential worker, uh, because of who I work for, which I'll keep to myself. Um, but you know, I am considered an essential, uh, employee. So, you know, I've stayed working. There has been a sense of normalcy to my day is, 
Um, most days I'm, I'm still getting up and, and going into the office and, and things like that. Um, but I also, with all of that, I, I've, this has really helped me recognize that I am, like I said, very lucky. And there are a lot of people who are not, um, a, as lucky as I have been. So I just want to first and foremost say that, um, you know, my, my, my heart and my thoughts and all, you know, however you want to pass along that, that good energy goes out to all those people who, you know, this, this quarantine hasn't been a stay at home and hang out and have some fun. You know, there have been people who are really struggling, whether it be financially, mentally, um, all that stuff. And, and for all those people, you know, I have a pretty small reach on Twitter, relatively speaking, but if there is anything you need, please know that you can always reach out to me. Uh, I'm a big proponent in uh, don't ever sit on your feelings. You got to talk to people about that shit. Um, let me know if you need to talk. I'm, I'm always happy to talk. So that's kind of my little, my little quarantine thing. Uh, as far as the NHL coming back, uh, I'm hopeful that it does. I think it does. I think the NHL's made it pretty clear that uh, their number one priority is finishing this season. Um, for myself personally, I think, I think starting a season and not ending it is, is one of the most damaging things the NHL can do to their, their brand, their image uh, as a league that, that is constantly fighting for viewership to begin with. Um, and, and, you know, popularity, especially in the U S uh, I think it's something that they, they need to do and they need to figure out what is, what's safe, what's smart and, and, and what makes sense everyone's got to exercise a little bit of common sense through all this. And uh, I think that's one thing you've seen that a lot of people lack is just some very simple common sense. Um, to me, this is a situation that's not one or the other. You've got to figure out a way that, that you can kind of bring this back together um, in a way that, that, that works. And I know that's all kind of very vague phrasing, but um, that's just kind of, that's kind of where I'm at. You're, you're not all or nothing in my opinion. Word. All right. <laughs> I like that answer, actually. Yeah. One love. It's nice having you back on the show, dog. Yeah. You know, I, uh, in all seriousness, you know, like, like I said, I, you know, I've been able to keep a little bit of normalcy to my day, but the, this, this kind of brings another element to it. Cause I'm, uh, the first couple weeks, I'll be totally honest. The kind of break from sports was a little, I don't even want to say nice, but you know, we've, we've talked about it both on the show and, you know, AJ, I know you and I have had private conversations of there really just is so much in, in a 24 hour news cycle and now a 24 hour sports news cycle. There is so much of it. That's just, you know, regurgitated and, you know, we can only talk about practice lines so much and um, you know, you can only nitpick and break stuff down so many times that there was kind of a little bit of a nice, like, Whew. catch your breath a little bit. Um, but now that we're into week six, seven, eight of all of this, it's like, okay, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for that part of my life because I really do. I think people kind of look to pro sports as their, um, you know, kind of like symbol of how things are in the world. You know, you, you go to a sporting event and when things go wrong, uh, you know, in the world, in, in your country, they do the moment of silence, they observe it, they wear patches, they put stickers on the helmet. Um, you know, sports really are kind of a catalyst for healing uh, with a lot of things that happen uh, in, in today's society. And when you don't have them as that go-to, 
people don't really know when you're supposed to start healing. There's a lot of people who don't think you're allowed to even talk about sports right now because there are other things going on in the world and you shouldn't even be talking about it. And it's like that grandstanding can. Cause you know, there's, there's just get out of my face with that. There there's always going to be, there's always going to be someone who's got it worse than you, right? There's always going to be a reason where you should just be grateful. And there's always going to be a reason you should just be happy for what you've got. And so, so to be constantly doing this comparative suffering, I think is actually making a lot of this more nasty when, you know, like I I was happy to come on here and talk about some sports because it's a break from all the numbers and statistics and all that stuff. So it's nice because we don't get, we don't get a lot of it elsewhere right now. We have to kind of conjure it up. And I know I, you know, I, I love the hour that I spend hanging out with Rudo every day, just talking about the ads or talking about hockey or doing some fake draft nonsense or doing an entire expansion draft because why the hell not? Because I'm not, <laughs> then I'm not sitting around on social media being, you know, watching people fight it out over, does this really matter? Does it not? Is this real? Do I trust science? This is a government conspiracy, you know, whatever, <laughs> like, how wherever you come down on it it's just it's the whole thing i find exhausting and i'm mm-hmm. i'm very happy to use this as an escape from all of it and where i just don't have to i don't have to worry about it i don't have to well, deal and, with it i don't have to worry about us getting into it we can just talk about the abs well and for me the other great thing is is on you know in this kind of outlet you it gives you an opportunity to talk about it through the the lens of sports so it does kind of give you that outlet to to discuss it, get you know what you think, how you feel kind of out there, but but in the in the channel of this is how it relates to you know my thing, in this case mm-hmm. hockey. Um so I, I really do. I think this is a really good way to be aware of it, acknowledge that it's happening, but but also um yeah, be able to just forget about it, even if it's for 50 minutes or or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, for everyone that listens, very, very thankful that you guys continue to show up for us. And, you know, if we've helped anyone, then mission accomplished as far as I'm concerned to, to forget about those types of troubles and things. So I guess on that note, we're going to get out of here. Jesse, appreciate you coming on. We'll have to get you back on sooner rather than later next time. It's been too long. Yeah, no, uh, please. Any, any time, uh, Kevin and I just did a show earlier this week, uh, that went out pretty early this morning and now getting on here with you guys. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm loving it. I, anytime, anytime you guys need a guest, want a guest, uh, you guys know where to find me, man. When, uh, when the bar opens back up, buddy. Well, I was, what I was actually about to say when the bar opens back up and when restaurants open back up, AJ and I got a, we, we've got a, uh, like a two year old date for sure. (laughs) Steak dinners. <laughs> uh, I, I, I actually, I wanted to be able to pay up on that in Vegas uh, when we were both out there a couple months ago, but just with the way timing and everything worked out, we weren't yeah. able to. But uh, uh, if fun. we're if, if 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 lightning strikes and and playoffs and all that stuff, the Avs are in Vegas. I'll uh, I'll get you your steak dinner in Vegas instead. Oh my god, that'd be awesome! <laughs> all right, you heard but it I, here I, first. 
I'll say I did. I texted AJ the other day after uh, after it came up on the show, and I said, "Believe me, once we're allowed inside restaurants again, it'll be my pleasure to pay up on that bet." I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, AJ looks be, ready yeah. for that for that meal. <laughs> uh, anyway. We're out of here for the day. Thank you, everyone, for listening, especially those on the live show. If you are in the Twitch chat tonight, Jackbox with the whole DNVR crew, highly recommend you come out and have a good time with us. AJ and I will talk to you then. DNVR Avalanche with Hayfully and Rudo. DNVR Avalanche with Hayfully and Rudo. DNVR Avalanche with Hayfully Please.